Hello and welcome to the Free Life Community Church Podcast. My name is John DeLille, and I'm the communications guy at Free Life Community Church in Terre Haute, Indiana. Each week, Senior Pastor Dan Willis brings a rich, detailed, and relevant message grounded in Scripture, which is recorded on Sunday mornings and made available for you right here. You can find more messages at freelifecc.com or in the Google Play and iTunes podcast app. Hey, if you've benefited from listening to these messages, we ask that you try to help us out. You can help us out in two different ways. First, you can give us a rating in the app store that you use. Secondly, share this podcast with a family member, a friend, or a colleague. This really does help us to get these messages into the hands of the people who can really benefit from them. All right, without further ado, here's Senior Pastor Dan Willis. Because the message that I'm bringing to you uh, is elementary. And so, good morning and welcome to Free Life Community Church. Uh, good morning to our Mecca campus, uh, and good morning to those of you listening and watching online. On, what's our, Pastor Bob, what are, what are we broadcasting on now? 87.7, low end of the dial. Uh, anyway, uh, I'm grateful today because I think sometimes we have to go back to Christianity 101. And the reason is because we forget sometimes what we've learned. And I don't know about you, but I like to sometimes skip steps that I don't think are important. Anybody done that? Let me, okay. So none of you have ever gotten something for Christmas or your grandkids or your children got something. You didn't look at the instructions to throw them away and start trying to put, put it together without looking at them. Yeah. Nobody ever did that. Yeah. Okay. See, that's just one example. And there's a lot of them. We want to skip steps. Every single one of us, when we were a teenager, wanted to skip our formative years and get right into adulthood. Didn't we? Yeah, of course it was a mistake, but we didn't know it at the time. Most of the time when we skip steps, it is a, it is a mistake. There, steps are there for a reason. And why would our spirituality be any different? Why would God say, well, you can pick and choose what steps in the plan of salvation you want to take? You can pick and choose what steps in following me and being obedient that you, you want to take. No, you can't do that. You shouldn't do that. And you'll be sorry if you do. And we all probably could say, yes, we know that, even if we're not necessarily willing to admit it sometimes. Amen? And so if you have your Bibles, please turn with me to Hebrews chapter 12. I'm going to read the first four and a half verses, which means first part of five. Um, and this one I'm going to use out of the English Standard Version because I like the way it actually reads it. And, and Paul says in chapter 12, therefore... Since we are surrounded by so great a cloud of witnesses, let us also lay aside every weight and sin which clings so closely, and let us run with endurance the race that is set before us, looking to Jesus, the founder and perfecter of our faith, who, for the joy that was set before him, endured the cross, despised the shame, and is seated at the right hand of the throne of God. And consider him who endured from sinners such hostility against himself, so that you may not grow weary nor faint-hearted. In your struggle against sin, you have not yet resisted to the point of shedding 
your own blood. And, he says, have you forgotten the exhortation that addresses you as sons or, in the vernacular, as children? In other words, have you forgotten that you belong to God? I think sometimes we forget that we belong to God. And this is what the writer is trying to say to us. But remember, in the race here, in the realm of what we're doing in this, in this, this thing we call life, notice that he says, take a pause and look to Christ. Friends, do you struggle to do that? Do you live life in a manner and way that you almost hate the idea that you have to look to Christ sometimes? Let me explain that. Let me, let me, let me qualify that. I think sometimes in our humanity, we get upset if we can't do things ourselves. We get upset if we can't have the depth of understanding that others have, or if we don't have the strength or the, the knowledge or the power or the ability or whatever. It is. And so we want to do things ourselves. I've watched it again and again and again, particularly when, when people get older and they can't do the things that they used to do and someone offers to help them. The first thing we do, no, 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 no. I'll do it. I, I, I can do it. I get it, I understand, I know, and I know why they do it. But here's the thing. I think sometimes we do it spiritually. I think God is saying, you know, here I am, I want to help you. I'm and we're like, no, 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 no. Now, I think it's good that you do things in your own right sometimes. I think it's good that you learn to not rely on everybody else to do things. Lord knows the world's full of people that do that. You know, so we have to learn to stand on our own two feet, that's for sure. And there's certain things in life that God wants you to do. But the problem here is when it's a spiritual issue or it's something that's outside of your control or something you don't understand, when God says, here I am, I'm here, hoo-hoo, do you see me? And we're going, oh, no, 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 I got this. But I'll call you God just as soon as I don't got it. Now, that's not very good English, but you know what I mean. As soon as I don't have this, now I'll call you. I'll call upon you. But until then, you just let me go. Now, listen, uh, every single one of us has watched a child or grandchild try to ride a bicycle without training wheels. And you know, and I know, the first thing is you want to do when they call for your help. You want to jump in and grab the bike for them. And that's probably the worst thing you could do. Because you know they're going to crash and burn, skin, knees, but I don't think anybody ever died from a skin knee. Uh, not very many people have ever probably lost their lives from falling off of a bicycle, learning to ride it. It's part of life. You got to do it. And let's face it, there's certain things in this adult life we don't want to do. We're not interested in even trying it because it's too difficult. We might be embarrassed because we're not very good at it, or it doesn't interest us. In the very first part of Braveheart, if you remember that, Uncle Argyle tells his nephew, who has lost his father, 
Well, you didn't want your father to die either, but it happened, didn't it? There's a lot of things in life we don't want to happen, but they do. And you have two choices at that moment. You can look to Christ or not. You can accept Him and His help or not, His protection or not. You can give it to Him or not. You can receive Him or not. And friends, the Bible is clear and society proves that less and less are the people that are accepting Him. They're choosing the or not. And you know where that gets us. Because one day, the Father is going to say, okay, enough's enough. Go rapture your church. Now, I don't know exactly what that's going to be like. I only read about it. I can only think about it. But I know it's going to happen. We've had movies, you know, and a book by Tim LaHaye that tells us what we think it might be. But friends, I don't think anybody really knows what it's going to be. But I do know that the Bible says there's going to be an awful lot more goats than there are sheep. And that, that, that pains me. I struggle with that. Why would you refuse to look to Christ when He's available? Why would anybody look at salvation and say, no, nope, don't need it, don't want it, when it's available? It's like, and you've heard me say it before, that's like you're, you've fallen off a cruise ship, somebody throws you a, a, you know, a, a life raft, and you're like, no, 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 that's yellow, I want the red one. <laughs> or no, I, I'll, I'll get it, I'll catch up. No, you won't. You see, friends, this is it's ludicrous, but we'll, we do it anyway. We do it every single day in some manner, probably. And the only way you get away from that is if you fully surrender, not just as an individual for time, but every single day. The, surrendering to Christ is a daily occurrence. Because you'll take stuff back. You know you will. I know you will. And I probably just did it yesterday. Anybody? You'll just, you'll take it back and say, God, I got this. No, you don't got it. And maybe you do, but I'm right there. Now, just like your kid on the bicycle, you're eventually going to, you know, not grab a hold, let him, but you're going to stand there and watch him. Every single parent bird I've ever seen gets the kids to start flying, but they keep a pretty close distance watching them. The key, have you forgotten that you belong to him? Have you forgotten the exhortation that makes you a child? Friends, you will always be a child of God. And just like your, your parents, I, I do not care how old you get, how experienced you are, you will still be somebody's child. I tell my kids all the time, I don't care how old you are, I'm still your father. And I have responsibilities as your father until God takes me from this earth. Does it bother me that you're 18 or 35? No. Because you still don't know what you're doing. Any more than I do when my dad looks at me with those, those looks that he does. You, you, right? You, you. And I wonder if we'll do it to our earthly people. Will we do it to God? Have we ever looked at God and said, oh, sure we have. 
And the father says, you still don't know what you're doing. And here I am. So take advantage of that. And here's the thing. Why does the writer have to tell us that we should be looking to Jesus? Now, you would think that that's something we automatically just know, and we don't need to be told that. It's simple. We've become full of ourselves. And let's be honest. Nobody in here, you can say, you, you can point fingers outside, but we're not talking to anybody outside today, are we? We're talking, we're talking inside today. We're talking to the church, because that's who he's writing to. Amen? Nobody in here likes to be told what to do. I can go right down the line. And I can tell you in some manner and way, every one of you, unless I don't know you, how at one time you didn't want to be told what to do. And I bet you could do the same to me. Why? Because we don't. And in every situation, when you begin as a newbie and you're completely lost, whether it's a job or, or it's, it's, a, it's a, a new position in something or it's a new sport that you're learning or whatever it is. You are at the mercy of those who are teaching you. Now, we're typically willing to submit to learn and not have opinions about what we're learning at first. But then gradually, confidence and what I call overconfidence and further false confidence begins to grow. Hmm? Nobody in here has ever had a dose of false confidence. Huh? Yeah. And as you gain this confidence, whichever one of them it is, and you begin to do things the way they should be done, you gain, get this, some arrogance as well. And sometimes there's a fine line between confidence and arrogance. Anybody? And so you begin to question why things are done a certain way, no matter if they've been done for, you know, beginning of time. And now I know that there's room for improvement, and sometimes tradition needs to be changed. I get that. That's why, you know, anybody who's worth anything constantly evaluates what's going on. But God has time-tried methods. And he wants the church to surrender and be obedient to him. I, see, I don't, I don't think we're trying to just reinvent the church sometimes. I think we're trying to reinvent Christianity. Well, no. It, it doesn't much matter how we do things in here or down the street or across town or around the world. But what does matter is that it doesn't deviate from this. You can't reinvent that. shouldn't reinvent that. Do I think that our worship should change? Yeah. Do I think the way we put the services together should change? Yeah to meet the needs of the people in the times that we're in? Sure. But should never go against what he says or what he wants. 
And see, when we become arrogant, that's what happens. Why? Because you believe you have a better way. Question is, do we ever start to think that maybe we have a better way than God has? Has anybody ever thought that? And so your arrogance, you know, begins to fuel <clears throat> your belief system that you know what's best. <laughs> How am I doing so far? You know, I had to look at myself as an example to even put this together, right? It'll humble you when you realize you've done it, perhaps. It, it, it will. Well, at least it should. You see, you've thought it out, and you know you're right. You just know it. And, and, and you know, I remember on Gilligan's Island, Gilligan says, mm -mm, you can't make me, you can't make me, you can't make me. And then the next scene, he's, he, he's doing it. The difference is God won't make you. God won't make you because he gave you free will. He hopes you will surrender to him and his ways on purpose. <laughs> and so when you have thought this out and you know you're right, oftentimes this begins to lead to a deeper arrogance. And finally, disobedience. You know that disobedience follows arrogance, right? You know that, right? Come on, kids. This isn't rocket science. You know that disobedience almost always follows arrogance or false confidence. Yeah? It almost always does. And then we begin the justification process as to why we should and could. Yeah? That's humanity. And it's also true spiritually, which is why the writer tells us in verse 5 that we have forgotten the exhortation that addresses us as his children. I mean, I'm always going to be a child of God until I'm not. <laughs> and if I'm a child of God, then I ought to be obedient to the Father. I have an obligation to be. I have no right to question him. As a parent... I, I, I really didn't have that big of a problem with questions. As long as someone was trying to understand. Why? I always told them why. But in the end, if they couldn't understand why or weren't willing to accept why, I'm still a parent. <laughs> hmm? Why is it, though, that when it comes to our spirituality, we literally do question God when He's perfect. See, everybody in here, no matter the depth of your understanding, has to know that God is perfect in every regard. You have to know that. You must know that. God is perfect in every regard. So let us think on that for a minute. First, what is an exhortation? I mean, what, what exactly is, is God saying to us here? You see, exhortation is this communication that has an urgency to it. You know? And we exhort all the time. You know? The first time you, you see your toddler going towards something that's going to hurt them, hey, hey, stay away from that. The second time when they get closer, hey, stay away from that. 
And then the exhortation gets a little stronger. Hey! Then put your hand up. Stay away from that. There's an urgency to it. And you know, God's kind of done that with me sometimes. It's almost like I didn't hear the first time, even the second, and so on and so forth, you see. I did, but I've kind of tuned them out. Have anybody ever tuned God out before? You heard the voice, but you're not quite sure what it said. At least that's what you claim. This, this, is, this is happening. But the writer is clear that we have been told in an urgent manner that we're children, which means two things. First, we haven't grown up spiritually yet. Now, we're going back to that. We haven't grown up spiritually yet, and we're not anywhere near close to the level that God is, and therefore, we ought to stop thinking, speaking, and acting like we are. Now, God wants us to have confidence, but in Him, not in ourselves. In fact, Paul says, I have no confidence in the flesh. Zero. Have none. And you know, I, I sort of understand that because the older I get, the less I really know about things. And I find that I have no confidence in the flesh. And Jesus' words to the disciples are real. The flesh is willing, or the spirit is willing, but the flesh is weak, right? Uh, yeah. And there have been times, especially when, if you've been sitting a certain way and your leg goes to sleep or something and you get up and all of a sudden, down you go. Anybody done that? I mean, you, you, you're willing it to move, but it's not. And you sort of kind of drag it along while the pins and needles are in the bottom of your foot. I know you've done it. Okay? You've asked your body to do things and at one time it would do them, but all of a sudden now it won't. You could call that age if you want. Sometimes it's brought on by other things. I've known people who the mind was brilliant, and over time it isn't. But the fact of the matter is, regardless where you are in your spiritual awareness, the Bible's clear that we need to be continually striving to be more like God. Rather than questioning Him, rather than being disobedient, being overconfident, falsely confident, or arrogant, which leads to disobedience, we got to stop doing that and start saying, yes, God. Yes, God. Okay, God. Show me how, God. Yeah? Isn't that really what we should be doing? Secondly, God has urgently and emphatically reminded us of certain things and the fact that this is going to happen. Why does he do so? Because he knows that we're going to defy him. He knows that we don't seem to want to accept and believe what, that we have a long way to go spiritually. Nobody wants to believe that. If you can believe it, when I first felt the call to ministry, well, okay, that was as a teenager, but I rejected it. But when I finally accepted the call to ministry as an adult. I thought I knew about enough about the Word of God. I didn't have to go to school for it. I mean, I already had a, you know, I already had a secular degree. What did I need to go to school for the Bible for? And God showed me pretty soon that <laughs> you don't know near as much as you think you do. 
right? I've heard people quote scripture and say, Bible says this, and this is what it means. I'm like, no, <laughs> that's not what it says. That's certainly not what it means. But I thought, and there was the problem. You thought. See, this is, this is how we are in life. And the enemy's behind all of that. You understand, right? Satan's behind all of that. He always has been. We become full of ourselves in life, in our overconfidence, our false confidence, and our arrogance, and we do it spiritually as well. Now, I'm not telling you, you should carte blanche, follow pastoral authority. I didn't say that. In fact, I think you got to test the spirits. <laughs> but I know myself personally, I'm going to go back to the Word of God every time and say, well, let's go back to the Word of God then. What's it say? You know? Uh, and, and I think every pastor will do that. And I've heard some pastors say some things that I know aren't biblical. And oftentimes, we begin to think that way. We begin to live that way. We're all guilty of this sort of thing. And so the writer of Hebrews is saying, listen, friends, this isn't a bad thing, but it is what it is. You haven't fully surrendered to God yet. And you're, you're really going to have to do that. If you, if you want to get deeper with, with Christ, if you, if you really want your spirituality to be deeper and stronger, then you're going to have to learn to surrender more. Because I'll bet a dollar to a donut that there's a very good chance that the reason you haven't got to the next plateau or the next level of your spirituality is because you haven't surrendered something. It's very seldom that somebody can't get it. Okay? That, that doesn't happen very often. Because here's what you can get. You can get everything that God has for you to the max of your ability. And it doesn't matter if you're one of the smartest people in the world, and I'll bet you John will tell you this is true. Because you've probably, you, you've done Myers-Briggs before and stuff like that, haven't you? Okay. Here, here, here's a fact. Mandy, I bet you've done it. Jonathan, I bet you've done it. This is true. Every, okay, it doesn't matter if you're the smartest person, the highest intellect in the world, or you're one of the people with one of the lowest. Probably none of, nobody matches or maxes out their full potential in their mind. Yes or no? You, you just don't. That means everybody in here probably has more potential here, here, and here. Probably. And until you reach Christian perfection, yeah. There's room, isn't there? And that's tough because most of the time we think we've surrendered. We think we, think we have. We think we've given God, laid it all out there. We think we have. But who do you think is more accurate in the truth of what is? Us or God? I mean, it's just a fair question. Only an arrogant Christian would say they do. <laughs> and it's humbling. Now, suppose God is right and we're not fully surrendered. Then what do we have to do? Well, this is easy. Do what the writer of Hebrews says you have to do. Look to Christ. Look to Jesus. In what? Everything. Everything? Yeah. 
Yeah, everything. You see, in other words, our spirituality is not at the level that it ought to be. And every single one of us did or didn't do something in the last week that proves it. Whether we're aware of it or not. And again, God's not going to hold that against you. He's, he's not even trying to make you feel bad about it. He's not concerned with where you've been. He wants you to correct it and move forward and get stronger. Yeah? He, he wants to know where you're going. He wants you to know where you're going. See, humans, because Satan perpetrates this on us, look to people and say, well, you know, it didn't work so good last time for you, did it? And you can't do this because your track record proves it. And God says, I don't care about that. This is where you can be. This is where I need you to be. Are you willing? Let that one go. I'm not worried about that one. Let's get past it and move on to the next one. He's an encourager. Not a condemner. But Satan is a condemner. Do you know that all of us probably said something that proved that we can be deeper spiritually in the last week? Probably said something that we can be deeper. Every single one of us didn't say something <laughs> that proves we can be deeper. Maybe we had a poor attitude. Anybody in here willing to admit you had a poor attitude? Has anybody had a poor attitude in the last year or so? Anybody had a poor attitude? Come on. Really? Yeah. You know what our excuse is? I'm working on it. Has anybody told God they're working on it? Have you? You know, you know, Pastor Dan, you, you, your, your attitude is pretty, pretty poor today. I'm working on it, God. I'm working on it. You know what God says? Okay, why don't you let me work on it? <laughs> I know that because he's done it to me. Uh, yeah, but why don't you let me, let, let, let me work on it? Now, I suppose God is right. And we, and we aren't looking to Jesus in the manner that we should. Okay, maybe we're still not that convinced. Or maybe we are. But the question is, what's everything? God has the answers. Are you ready? He wants us to look to Jesus in everything. In everything. Acts 17, 28, For in Him we live, move, and have our being. You see, most Christians only turn to Christ when there's trouble. Have you noticed that? Most Christians only turn to Christ when there's... Now, notice I said Christians here. When there's trouble. And for whatever reason, we want to do things ourselves and only look to Jesus when things are out of our control. When we realize we're either losing control or we've lost it. Now, we'll, we'll, we'll come around. Or maybe we don't even... We don't, we don't have the resources. Or we've exhausted them. And another thing we seem to do is not look to Christ when things are going well. Have you noticed that? We're not looking there when things are well. It's important to see it because, you know, it's natural for us to stay within ourselves when trouble strikes, when we don't look to Christ when things are good. See, and, and I think that's inviting problems when you do it. When you don't continually praise God in the good times, 
It's almost like you're indifferent toward that. And then trouble's brewing, and you don't see it because you're too busy basking in what you perceive as good. Now, I've had that happen, and it almost feels like somebody yanked the magic carpet right up for any of you. And you're like, I never saw that one coming. And what does God say? I did. <laughs> He's done that to me a time or two, and I didn't think it was funny. Hmm? Luke says, we're not looking to Christ in everything, and yet in Christ we have everything. So why wouldn't we? It would be good if we understand it because in our own strength, you know what will happen? You will ultimately fail every time. So if we have our being in him, according to the scripture, then it means everything. And again, we have to look to Christ in everything in, in good times as well as the bad, in joy as in sorrow, in triumph as well as in trial. And when we don't, it's leaving the best part of ourselves Completely out of the mix. That's what Jesus was talking about when he was talking about the leavening of the bread. If you don't, right? You, you got to work the yeast into the whole thing. Otherwise, only part of it's going to rise. Every cake I've tried to make, you know, from, a, and Grandma knew it too. Because I, I, we didn't, you know, when we were on the farm, we didn't make box cakes. You know, we, because we just didn't, we made them from scratch. And I don't know, anybody still make cakes from scratch anymore? A few do. Do you know what happens if you leave baking soda out? It's pretty flat, like brownie. Now, it, now here's the deal. If, if I'm going to make, you know, uh, a, a raspberry chocolate squirrel uh, cheesecake with a brownie crust, I'll, I'll make a, a, like a cake that way and leave that stuff out on purpose because it gives me that beautiful thin crust that I want. For the bottom. But you wouldn't do it if you're making a cake now, would you? You got to mix it through the whole thing. I think we live life not doing that. We're not, we're not, we're not mixed to the point that we should. God wants to be mixed in all of what you are and do. And the Bible is clear, friends, about this stuff because when you leave something out, then you're not complete. And I think, why would we do that? God is saying, why would you do that? Can you imagine waking up one morning and deciding not to have your eyes? Oh, I don't think I need them anymore. It'd be a pretty tough day. Think about the folks that don't have them. Huh? Or you decide you don't need your ears. And some people are glad not to have their ears. <laughs> you know? Because they don't want to hear what people are telling them. But that's a temporary thing. How about an arm or a leg? Well, that would be nuts. You wouldn't say it. You wouldn't do it. You wouldn't dream of it. In fact, everybody hopes that never happens to any of us. Right? So leaving Christ out for the Christian, I mean, really? And it's not like he's not available to us all the time. It'd be one thing if he wasn't, but he is. So who's this on? Is it on us or on him? I mean, the Bible is clear again that Christ is, get this, always available. He is always available. Hebrews 4.16, approach God's throne of grace with confidence so that we may have uh, received mercy and find grace to help us in our time of need. And the only reason we wouldn't 
is that we somehow don't believe we're in need. <laughs> and let's face it, we've, we've done that a time or two. We've even convinced ourselves we're not in need. And that makes a lot of sense because oftentimes when someone notices that we're just a little bit off or that something isn't quite right with us, and they ask us about it, how do you think we typically answer? I'm fine. There's nothing wrong. Well, you seem a little bit off today, but I'm not. Well, you're kind of a little cross. I said there's nothing wrong. <laughs> yeah? Anybody done that recently? Now, are people always right about you? No. But people that care for you when they say things to that, you got to think about that for a minute and look at it. We almost always want to deny that anything is wrong. We cover it up. We hide it. And sometimes we haven't even admitted it to ourselves that there's something wrong. Or we'll blame it on something that we think we can fix in a hurry. I'm tired. Or what's the new one, the Snickers thing? I'm, I'm hangry. Yeah? It's true. I get a little bit testy when I'm hungry. Anybody in here get testy? Especially when the pastor goes too, too long in the morning. <laughs> Shelly admits it. <laughs> but friends here's the deal we should pursue Christ and look to him in everything since he's always available you can't make the claim that it's always available in anything else in life only him because even those who love you the most aren't always available to you they say they are they hope to be and they try to be but they aren't but he is we have to also secondly look to Christ for everything and they're different. Jesus told us in John 14, I will do whatever you ask in my name so that the Father may be glorified in the Son. And here again, I think Christians and many Christians look to themselves, not just in everything, but for everything. Instead of looking inside of ourselves, we look to our own ability for it. And when we've exhausted all those things, we just stop. Because if we can't do it, then probably nobody can. And Satan's going, yep, that's exactly what I want you to do. Look anywhere you want for whatever, but don't look there. And you know, we've listened. We've absolutely listened. I think sometimes Christians don't even depend on the Lord to supply their needs, even though he said he would. We rely on self-effort and other people, and, we, and, and, and when the time comes, we're disappointed. And if we're not disappointed one time, we will be the next. And I think we've covered that part pretty well, but here's a question. What do we actually look to Jesus for? I mean, have you thought about this? Have you really sat down and thought about, I need to look to Christ for these things? It'll humble you when you do it. We should look to Christ for life, love, food, clothing, shelter, everything. We, what's everything? Well, I believe, again, you should sit down and actually take an inventory of everything that you need. Everybody ought to do this sometime. Take an inventory of all the things that you, and you, you can't do it in one sit down. You're going to have to do it and then contemplate on it and you'll keep adding things to it. You'll realize, well, I kind of really need that. And not things that you think you can get somewhere else or from somebody, but everything that you actually need. God promises to deliver whatever it is better than you can do it or wherever you can get it or whatever it is and that's a period. 
He can deliver everything better than you can deliver or anybody can deliver. Which brings us to another fair question. What does Jesus promise us? I mean, have you ever really sat down and thought about all the promises he gave you? That's, that's another thing. You'll come up with things, you'll be like, gosh, I, never, I haven't thought about that for a long time. He did promise that. We are promised more than an ample supply for our needs. In fact, uh, the, the Apostle Paul tells us in Philippians 4.19 that God will meet every need according to the riches of His glory in Jesus Christ. And this is huge, my friends, because Jesus said that everything has been given to Him by the Father. Satan tried to dupe him by saying, look at all the kingdoms of the world. And he's doing the same exact thing to you and me. Look out at all the kingdoms of the world. It has been given unto me, and I can give it to whoever I choose. And if you'll just fall down, Jesus, and worship me, I'll give it to you. <laughs> what a lie that is. It wasn't given to him. He doesn't have it. God didn't, certainly didn't give it to him. Now, maybe we have. But Christ truly has been given everything. He had, in fact, he said, all authority have been given unto him. Not only in heaven, but on the earth and under the earth as well. He even defeated evil and death. And nobody's done that but Jesus. Nobody. Which means his promises are not only trustworthy, that also means that nothing can stand against them. Are you hearing this? Are you, are you taking this in? Are you grasping this here? Now, I've been given some promises before, and I've even made a few. And you know where this is going, don't you? And I found that people sometimes fail in their promises, and I know that I failed others in mine sometimes. Anybody willing to admit that that's happened a time or two? And I shouldn't have to say it, but when has Satan ever made good on a promise that he has made? Now, 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 now think on that for a minute. When has he ever made good on any promise he's ever made? And yet, here we are admitting and knowing in our own heart and minds that God has never failed to make good on any promise. In fact, Jesus said he would die and rise again in three days. And did he? He said he would never leave or forsake us. He hasn't. He said he would come again and take us home. Trust me. Trust him. He's going to do that. And he told us that we will be with him eternally. We will. Now, he even gave us a glimpse of what our heavenly home is going to look like. And can you even imagine that, friends? I believe in the promises of the Savior. I don't know for sure what heaven's going to really look like, but I believe him. Do you? And this is exactly why we have to look to him for everything. Amen? Stop looking anywhere else, no matter the reason, no matter the circumstance, because Jesus will make good every single time. He always has and he always will. Thirdly, look to Jesus with everything. Now, <laughs> this is another struggle because we like to use our resources in the manner and way that we want to. You see? And God may, may be saying, yeah, that's great, but I gave you that ability. Why not use it for me? because I have other plans for it, God. Don't tell me you've never told God I have other plans for that ability. Right? And somehow, some way, it revolves around our gain. Have you ever noticed that? 
It almost always does. Paul tells us in 1 Thessalonians chapter 5, And I pray, God, your whole spirit and soul and body be preserved blameless. Some Christians completely fail to totally look to Christ with everything. And let me explain that. I think that Christians prove that they reserve a portion of their lives for self. It kind of hurts. Because you know what hurts the most? You, you, you recognize and realize that it's probably true. And you've tried so hard not to do that. I think we get at this place in our spirituality where we, we've surrendered and we've, you know, we've gotten to this area and this, this portion, and then all of a sudden, somehow, somewhere, we're like, you know, uh, man, I, I, just can't, I just can't seem to get over the hump. I, I think I've surrendered everything. I think I've, but I'm just not gaining for some reason. And it's like, you feel like a pinball sometimes. You see the bigger picture. You know where the flippers are. You know where the, all the, you know, the, the holes that give you the, the big score. But you just can't seem to hit them. And, and, and it keeps coming down. And you're just like, oh, nobody plays pinball anymore, do they? But you know, what, you know what I'm talking about. You know how you feel. And yet we deny that we've done this sometimes. I mean, so let's say that you won the lottery, okay? You know, I know people are like, ooh, that's, that's, that gets y'all perked up, doesn't it? Let's say you've won the lottery, or you received a lot of money through an inheritance or whatever, and, and, and who among us wouldn't act exactly this way? Maybe give away some to help those that you know and love. Maybe even give some to the church. But in all likelihood, every one of us would probably reserve some of it for ourselves. Right? And I'm not telling you that's bad. In fact, Peter told Ananias and Sapphira, it was, you, you can do whatever you want with it. Right? But what is God telling you to do? What is God saying? And, and, and forget about that it's, that it's money. Because we're not talking about money here. That was just an example. We're talking about your spirituality here. You see, Jesus gave what? All he had. Every bit of it. And if he hadn't, you and I would be in eternal trouble. More than that, Christ praised and commended those who, gave, who, who have given all that they have had as well. Uh, I think of the widow at the temple. I'm not sure, uh, you know, exactly uh, that we know how to look to Christ with everything. But she did. And she didn't have much. In fact, Jesus said, what did she give? All she had. He commended those that gave a portion. He said, and that's great. But look at this one over here. See, it isn't a commodity. It isn't that you sell all your stuff and give it away. For some people, that's exactly what they should do. That's what Jesus told the rich young ruler. That stuff is going to keep you from following me completely and surrendering. So go get rid of it and then follow me. But all of us don't need to do that. But something is holding you back from a total surrender. Something is keeping you from looking to Christ with everything. 
I mean, we're, we're so used to deciding who or what gets how much of just about everything we have that it, it's, it's daunting. Because you don't know where to take and where to give. and it's, it, it gives new meaning, robbing Peter and paying Paul. You know? We've all done it, particularly with our time. Come on now. You think Satan's not behind that, friends? He, he's behind it. Do any of us really give all our time to God? Who in here, in the last month, has given all your time to God for even one day? Don't misunderstand what I'm saying. I'm not saying that you quit your job, you stop dealing with your family, and you just say, here I am, God. I did. I'm not saying that. But what you have to do is surrender your time to God. And if you do that, your work, your family, even yourself will get the time that God thinks all of them ought to have, and it will be perfect. Stop fighting God with your time. Don't make those decisions. Let Him make them. Because we want to control it. And we're not doing so well with it. If we're to be victorious, we have to look to Christ with everything. That includes time, talent, and treasure. We have to be totally dedicated to Him. Again, who's the one who, who knows exactly what things and what people need our attention, when and how much? How, how could we know? We can only guess at it. And you know what I found out? The squeaky wheel gets the attention. Sometimes it shouldn't. Right? Sometimes it shouldn't. And that's what surrender is all about. But more than that, we have the example of those who have done it, and it's worked for them every time. In fact, Paul says we're supposed to be this one thing, the living sacrifice. <laughs> Anything that's got sacrifice in it, we don't want to hear it. That's pretty accurate. Paul says, present your bodies as a living sacrifice, holy and acceptable to God. And I wonder if any of us really knows what being a living sacrifice really looks like. Do we really know what that looks like? Probably not, because we don't want to sacrifice a portion of ourselves, let alone our whole selves. <laughs> yeah? But what if doing so would help us gain everything? Because that's what he's saying. And this is exactly what the Bible's talking about. Jesus was clear. Those who give up their lives to him will gain everything, but those who try to hold on just a portion of it will end up losing everything. Do we know what that means? Have we put that into practice? One more thing. How are we going to be preserved blameless as Paul prays that we will if we've only given a portion of ourselves? <laughs> I, I don't, I'm not sure how that's going to work out, but it doesn't look promising to me. If we've only pursued Christ part of the way, if we've only gotten partially saved, and I think people have done that, of course it means you're not saved at all. But here's this phrase again, I'm working on it. Anybody done that? You see, that's not even possible. But I think many Christians, in name only, are living that way. Do we expect Christ to save us completely? Of course we do. Then how can you just surrender partially? Then why do we think that we can only 
do partial things with him? Well, it's a fair question. And to tell you the truth, I'm grateful that Christ blesses me with everything and doesn't hold anything, anything back. And to me, that's, that's where it starts. Fourthly, we have to look to Jesus through everything. <laughs> and that's hard to do when it comes to other people and situations. And when we do, what do you actually see? When you look to Christ through everything, what do you actually see? Let me explain. If you look at something or look for something, you expect to see it, yeah? It's, it's fair, right? If you look, you expect to find, see, grasp. So what do we actually see when we look to Christ through things? Well, I think it depends. Christians may look to Christ during happy times, but complain and even blame God when suffering strikes. Have we done that? Or when things don't go as we plan or hope that they will. And when trouble and trials come, what are we focusing on? What do you typically focus on when that stuff blindsides you? Will you not drop whatever you're dealing with and deal with the problem? Jesus said it a different way. He said, you know, you, 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 you Pharisees, you're something else. You, you look at me with disdain and hatred when I heal someone on the Sabbath, but if your oxen falls in a pit, which of you will not drop what you're doing, whatever it is, and go get it out? Come on. You know you will. And we focus on things and completely forget that God's even in the mix. There's that word. And friends, I have to tell you, attitude is everything here. Uh, God often allows suffering in your life to strengthen your faith and fulfill His purposes. And brother, I don't, I don't like it when God uses me for that. <laughs> you don't like it when God does it. I know you don't. It's not pleasant. But we have to continually look to him and seek his purposes with, get this, patience and trust. Patience and trust. You might want to write those things down. When you're going through trial and trouble and God may have brought it to you, you've got to look at him with patience and trust. Listen, those are the last two attributes on my mind when I'm, feel I'm getting blindsided with something. It's patience and trust, Right? Now, you can be upset with Christ, or you can trust Him that He knows what's best for you. Now, Christians who trust Jesus completely have an entirely different attitude and a different outlook than those who don't depend on Him, or those who don't completely trust Him, and those who prove that they don't necessarily really believe in Him. See, you, you prove who you are and what you are all the time, pretty much every minute of the day. Now, maybe others can't see it, but God always knows who and what you are. In fact, those who do have a much different outlook and attitude than those who only partially look to Him, you can see the difference. I've seen people in private pain, but knew that they trusted with all that they are. And I've seen others only partially trust. And brother, they are complaining to high heaven. And I'm not going to tell you, 
that you're never supposed to complain. I'm not saying you shouldn't be human, because you are. But attitude is everything. It always has been. And let's face it, there's a lot of Christians out there with poor attitudes. It just might be self today. It might be. Probably has been. There's an awful lot of Christians with poor outlooks. And there's a lot of Christians out there who are really poor examples of what a Christian is. Which one are you? Which one do you want to be? Now tell me that the people that have poor attitudes, poor outlooks, and poor examples have looked to Christ through everything. I'll bet they haven't. I don't know for sure, but I'm, I'm, I'm reasonably sure. You know what? You can't. No one can. But the proof is there. <laughs> and that's pretty hard to miss and deny. And this is why we have to praise him in the good and praise him in the bad. And as our worship team comes, friends. In the movie Facing the Giants, Coach Taylor tells his football players that they're going to praise God when they win and when they lose. And if you haven't seen it, I recommend it. And they did. And they started to win. And then they lost a big one. And they praised him anyway. In the locker room, Coach Taylor says, hey, everybody, everybody take a knee. Nobody could ask you to do any more than you did. You lost the ball game. We're gonna, we said we're going to praise him when we lose, and that's exactly what we're going to do. Now in the movie, because it's a movie, that following week, the team that beat him got disqualified because they used ineligible players. And so Coach Taylor and his team got to play, and they won the Georgia State Championship. It's not true. It's a movie. But there's an awful lot of truth to what he said. We're going to praise Him when we win, and we're going to praise Him when we lose. And friends, when you're traveling through deep valley experiences, Peter advised us, but rejoice to the extent that you partake of Christ's sufferings, and when His glory is revealed, you may also be glad with exceeding joy. Why does Peter say this? Because he knew that no matter what, no matter what happens on earth, even if you lose your physical life, and let me tell you something. I put this sermon together six months ago. And it just happens to fall on the Sunday after my mother's death. That's God saying, hello, I'm talking to you. Okay? Even if you lose your physical life, if you belong to Christ, if you surrendered everything to Him, if you look to Him in, for, with, and through everything, if you do that, then you obviously belong to him. And you will receive every single thing he's ever promised and so much more that he hasn't. In other words, when the glory of God is revealed, which is Jesus Christ, you will be found in him. Jesus said we are joint heirs with him for eternity. And there's not a better deal in the universe, amen? Now, I don't know how often you look to Christ. I don't know if it's a constant thing or if it depends on the situation or the day for you. I don't know if you look to him in times of trouble. I don't know if your attitude is good or bad. 
I don't know if you try to take care of things yourself first. But the trouble is, or the truth is, we will do so much better if we will just look to Christ all the time. To look toward Him before we look at anything else. And it honestly probably gives us this aha moment when we realize, friends, that we've caused ourselves much more trouble and less joy because we haven't begun with Him every single day. Now, maybe today is the day where this changes. You see, you shouldn't have to go through this near-death experience or this near-ruination experience or this whatever to keep having to go back to that to be reminded. It should be a daily surrender no matter what. And then maybe you won't have those trials as much as you have had because God won't need your attention because he's already got it. I don't know that, but it's possible. And I keep going back that every day with Jesus is the day better than the day before. And that's where we have to start. And if we're to move forward as a church, if we're really going to move forward as a church, friends, then we all as individuals are going to have to look to Jesus first in everything all the time. Thanks Will for you? listening to the Free Life Community Church yeah. Podcast. For more great biblically sound teaching, visit freelifecc.com. Walking around these walls I thought by now they'd fall But you have never failed me